snow day, but I know God has his ways, so maybe it's meant for today. So I'd just like to pray before I bring the word. Heavenly Father, we thank you. No matter what we're going through, you are always there with us. Lord, you made that way for us. Through Jesus, through his death, through his sacrifice, but also through the diligent way he lived his life. And Father, I thank you that you're teaching me each and every day how to live that life. So Father, as I deliver this message, I pray you open ears and open hearts and give eyes sight to see what the word of God is trying to say. In the name of Jesus, amen. Amen. So I'm trying something different now. I'm relying on technology, so I'm trying to preach from a tablet. But I have got written notes as well. So if you see me switching, that's because I'm giving up. So (laughs) this is supposed to be more effective, so let's see. So this morning I'd like to talk to us about God's compassion for us. So like most of my preachers, I'd like to look at what the world sees first. What do we know as what is known as compassion? And then I'll take you through the biblical stuff so you can get the context. And then I'll show you what practically we can do to meet that. Is that okay? Yeah. Good. So what is compassion? Let's get the clicker. Okay. Google defines compassion as sympathetic pity and concern for others' suffering or misfortunes. While the dictionary.com says the feeling of deep sympathy and sorrow for another who is stricken by misfortune accompanied by a strong desire to alleviate the suffering. Wikipedia is where we normally have a look. says compassion motivates people to go out of their way to help the physical, mental or emotional pains of another and themselves. The Latin meaning for compassion is co-suffering or to suffer with. And compassion involves allowing ourselves to be moved by suffering and experiencing the motivation to help alleviate and prevent it. The word compassion appears 82 times in the NIV Bible and and within 17 of the 66 Bible books. 68 references are in the Old Testament, with 16 of these in the Psalms and 14 in the book of Isaiah. Some interesting facts I found through this are the Gospel of John has no reference to this word and neither does the book of Acts. I can understand this in John's Gospel as it's focused on the love and person of Jesus as the son of God. But I am surprised that Acts has no mention of this word, given the many miracles and acts of compassion and grace within it. I guess this shows that although the compassion of God may not be mentioned, the actions and impact around it are plain to see. Is there a difference between compassion and mercy? It says in Romans 9.15, For he says to Moses, I will have mercy on whomever I will have mercy, and I will have compassion on whomever I will have compassion. We've already identified compassion is when an individual shows concern or pity towards another with a desire to alleviate the concern. The word mercy translated from the Latin means price or wages. It refers to our actions in response to another's need in regard to offering help, to cancelling a debt, or not hold someone accountable, or to be in a position of power over another. This is different from compassion, mainly because compassion is shown to an individual who is suffering. But mercy is usually shown to someone who has wronged you, 
or is indebted to you. Bible translations have used these words interchangeably, but they are very distinct in their true meaning. There may be occasions where both will be required, and then somewhere one or the other is required. They are not always dependent on one another. As Christians, I believe it's safer for us to exhibit both as much as we can. Who else in the Bible showed compassion? One of the most well-known stories of the Bible sees Abraham bargaining with God not to destroy Sodom in Genesis 18. Abraham knows his nephew Lot is there and intercedes for Sodom so Lot and his family might be saved. The city is destroyed as less than 10 people could be found righteous. Only Lot and his two daughters survived. Ruth showed Naomi great compassion when both her sons and husband died, shown in Ruth 1. Rather than deserting her mother-in-law, Ruth insists on remaining with her. Ruth is blessed for her kindness when Naomi helps her win the heart of Boaz. Boaz himself also notes the kindness Ruth has shown to Naomi. King David showed great compassion towards King Saul's heritage, despite Saul's ill-treatment of him for years. This is shown in 2 Samuel 9. He seeked out any descendant of Saul and found Mephibosheth, I think that's how you pronounce it, Jonathan's son, and gave him all the land and the privileges Saul's household would command. He also made sure Mephibosheth, or that word, also ate at the king's table from that time onwards. Barnabas was moved by compassion when he sold his land and gave the proceeds to the church in Acts 4. Jesus has also instructed us to show compassion by loving God and loving others as ourselves. So how does God show compassion to us? Compassion is one of God's main and most appealing characteristics. Jesus' example of a compassionate ministry is one we can follow as well. A.W. Tozer says, Compassion is not something that simply runs out of God. It's something that God is. Amen. On producing the second set of stone tablets, God proclaimed to Moses some of his main characteristics. Looking at Exodus from chapter 34, from verses 6 and 7. Then the Lord passed by in front of him and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord God, compassionate and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in love, kindness and truth, faithfulness. Keeping mercy and loving kindness for thousands, Forgiven iniquity and transgressions and sin, but he will by no means leave the guilty unpunished. Visiting avenging the iniquity, sin, guilt of the fathers upon the children and the grandchildren to the third and fourth generations. That is called, that is calling the children to account for the sins of their fathers. Now I know like most of us, most people, we would more focus on the negative what's been said there, but look at the positive of what's been said. First word, the Lord, the Lord God, compassionate. Not Lord, Lord, God, the angry, or the unforgiven, or it's compassionate. It's a powerful word, compassion. The order of what we see words in, especially God. God doesn't put words in any particular order. He's very specific. He wants you to focus. Yeah? Also, I know the first, the last bit sounds like it's negative, that you know, if you don't live the right way, then God will come and your children will pay for those sins. But just imagine if you walk the right way. 
your grandchildren will be blessed. Your great-grandchildren will have the same compassion that you experience now. Yeah? Okay. So our compassion for others should influence others to show compassion. Jesus' ministry was always fueled and motivated by compassion for the people. Jesus, at the beginning of his ministry, said this. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, the Messiah, because he has anointed me to preach the good news to the poor. He has sent me to announce release, pardon, forgiveness to the captives, and recovery of sight to the blind, to set free those who are oppressed, downtrodden, bruised, crushed by tragedy, to proclaim the favourable year of the Lord, the day when salvation and the favour of God abound greatly. According to Steve French, Jesus' main agenda could be summarised on the three key headings during his three and a half year ministry on earth. Good news to the poor, freedom for prisoners, release for the oppressed. Many of the miracles Jesus performed were motivated by compassion, such as the lame man on the mat and his friends, and raising Lazarus from the dead. It was through compassion for the people that Jesus taught a great multitude which he and the disciples would let provide food for in the form of five and on another occasion, 4,000 men. Not that there weren't women there, but they only counted the men in that time. Mark 6. From Mark 6, verses 33 and 34. But the multitude saw them departing, and many knew him and ran there on foot from all the cities. They arrived before them and came together to them. And Jesus, when he came out, saw a great multitude and was moved with compassion because they were like sheep, not having a shepherd. So he began to teach them many things. Jesus also felt compassion when he saw the needs of the people. So the clicker is just behind <laughs> Matthew 9, from verse 35. Then Jesus went about all the cities and villages teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion for them because they were weary and scattered like sheep having no shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest truly is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. The people recognized Jesus' ministry was not about himself, but the freedom of his people from all the snares that this world keeps us in. As a result, many brought others to him to hear him or be healed by him. Compassion is having a heart for people and their needs. It's practical and acts towards the needs shown. Mark chapter 2 verses 2 to 5. Immediately many gathered together so that there was no longer room to receive him, not even near the door, and he preached the word to them. Then they came to him, bringing a paralytic who was carried by four men. And when they could not come near him because of the crowd, they uncovered the roof where he was. So when they had broken through, they let down the bed on which the paralytic was lying. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven you. Compassion expresses a genuine concern for a need or situation. Jesus' deep concern for people was grounded in the knowledge that mankind was created in God's own image. We are a creation, we are his creation, 
but we are a fallen creation in a fallen world. Jesus' compassion dealt with people at that level, and he continues to do this in all his church, even today. What we must also acknowledge about Jesus was his great compassion and his great care and concern for the individual, as well as for all people. He stressed this through his parables on the lost sheep, the lost coin, and the lost son. Jesus showed compassion to even those who held ill against him, most notably Judas Iscariot. Jesus inducted him as one of his 12 disciples, for years broke bread with him, and shared private teachings with him and the other disciples. Jesus knew people's thoughts and feelings, so he constantly must have sensed the troubled and self-motivations of Judas, and probably many other of his disciples. But Jesus' love for his disciples fueled his compassion for them, for he knew even when he publicly told them about what must happen to him in Jerusalem, they did not understand or accept it, and could not fully understand or appreciate what he told them to his death and resurrection. Jesus tried to prepare them for his death and their reactions, especially Peter's. Sometimes, because we know better through Jesus, we will need to be patient or show his compassion to others who just don't get it or don't want to get it. Let's look at Matthew from chapter 22. Apologies, this was on white, so I don't understand why it's changed colour on the thing, so it's going to be difficult to read, but I will read it to you anyway. As Jesus replied to him, you shall love the Lord. Sorry. Jesus is just explaining what's the greatest commandment, this first passage. So Matthew 22 from verse 37. And Jesus replied to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. The second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. That is, unselfishly seek the best or higher good for others. Now let's look at Luke chapter 10 from verse 25. And a certain lawyer, an expert in Mosaic law, stood up to test him, saying, Teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus said to him, What is written in the law? How do you read it? And he replied, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your strength, and with all your mind, and your neighbour as yourself. Jesus said to him, you have answered correctly, do this habitually and you will live. But he wished to justify and vindicate himself and asked Jesus, and who is my neighbour? Jesus replied, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho and he encountered robbers who stripped him of his clothes and belongings, beat him and went their way unconcerned, leaving him half dead. Now by coincidence, a priest was going down that road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. Likewise, a Levite also came down to the place and saw him, and passed by on the other side of the road. I'm just going to stop there. When I was doing some studies on this, I was thinking, um, why did these guys pass them by? Why did the Jewish guys pass them by? The Levite and the priest. Some people say it's because they were in a hurry because they were late for a temple meeting. Um, okay. But if I was bleeding in the ditch, I would hope someone would stop for me. So um, there isn't really an excuse in that respect. 
We'll go on to later about perhaps why they passed by. But a Samaritan foreigner who was travelling came upon him, and when he saw him, he was deeply moved with compassion for him, and went to him and bandaged up his wounds, pouring oil and wine on them, to soothe and disinfect the injuries. And he put him on his own pack animal and brought him to an inn and took care of him. On the next day he took out two denarii, two days' wages, and gave them to the innkeeper and said, Take care of him, and what more, whatever more you spend, I will pay you when I return. Which of these three do you think proved himself a neighbour to the man who encountered the robbers? He answered, The one who showed compassion and mercy to him. Then Jesus said to him, Go and constantly do the same. In this parable, Jesus makes the person showing the compassion and the focus through the person receiving the compassion. No help came from those he thought would from a fellow, for a fellow Jew. Both the priest and the Levite, both Jewish religious men, crossed the road to avoid having to take action. So I'll stop there. Both Jewish religious men. We're Christians, yeah? Many people would say we're religious. We've got to be careful, church. These words, that's what I'm saying to you. Listen to the words. This could be a warning for us about us being compassionate in this world. Yes. Yeah? You've gone quiet, church. Okay. Yeah, be, yeah, preach. It was a person who was despised and hated. Again, doesn't that sound similar to us? Who was looked down upon by the Jews as Samaritans were considered inferior by Jews who showed more love and compassion than his fellow brother in arms. Jesus himself would face the same persecution and rejection from his fellow people. But even on the cross, he showed compassion for them. Even on the cross, he was still saying, Lord, please forgive them. In his resurrection, Jesus showed compassion to Thomas for his doubting. And he even showed great compassion to Peter, restoring him after his three denials. So compassion is a very powerful emotion and can sometimes overwhelm us. We must always remember his compassion for his people caused Jesus to weep as he approached Jerusalem for the last time. Luke 19. Now as he drew near, he saw the city and wept over it, saying, If you had known, even you, especially in this your day, the things that make for your peace, but now they are hidden from your eyes, for days will come upon you when your enemies will build an embankment around you, surround you and close you in on every side and level you and your children within it to the ground and they will not leave in you one stone upon another because you did not know the time of your visitation that's a picture of the Jerusalem siege this is Jesus' words coming to pass that's pretty um, mild compared to some of the images I've seen Um, so that's an, an indication of what Jesus was talking about So Jesus wept for Jerusalem because he could feel the needs, the hurts and the pains of his people. And he also foresaw their future, which you're seeing here. When this great place where God had once been held in such awe, which will be torn down dramatically and viciously by the Romans in AD 70. Now Jesus was weeping at that point when he approached Jerusalem because he could feel the needs of the people he was approaching. Remember what the context was. They were all coming together for their worship. They were all going to converge on the temple. 
And what had the temple become? But somewhere to bargain and barter. People were being ripped off. People that didn't have money. People that might have needed a priest to, to pray for them. But the focus wasn't about healing. It wasn't about release. It was about making money. Jesus could foresee that as well. He could feel that. He's always constantly saying, they're like a sheep without a shepherd. Just imagine approaching the city of God, the city that David wanted to build, where the temple now sits. Where the temple now sits. And this is, should be the pinnacle of his ministry. But all he's feeling is pain and suffering and people being rejected. That's what Jerusalem has become. Yeah? That's the context. God also showed his compassion towards us through his provision. So he's always providing for all our needs. He's protecting us and guiding us where to go. I'm going to give you a little testimony. I'm not going to take long. But this week, I was sharing with McDonald. This week, my wife had a really hard time. Monday, uh, her car broke down just outside the church. Flat tyre. So you say, well, that's life, isn't it? Then the guy comes and replaces the tyre. And he says, oh, your other tyre's bald now. That's illegal. You're going to have to change both tyres. So we have to go out, place the tyres. And I pay quite a bit of money to get put two new tyres into the car. The next day, the car's not stuck. Now, my wife is a childminder. She needs the car to get from A to B. So, thankfully, we've got another car. She jumps in that one. She does what she needs to do. Comes back. We fix the car. Again, I've got to pay out more money because the car won't start. So, we made the decision, well, maybe it's time for the car to go. It's an old car. We've had it for a couple of years. Let's release it. Um, and we take it to any car. We take it to a company, because I don't want to promote them. Uh, we take it to a company and they give us money and we no longer have the car but she needs a car she's a childminder she can't get from A to B can't take kids without a car Friday our daughter is learning to drive and she's acquired a car and the car appears on Saturday morning but she can't drive it because she's a learner but June can drive it so June will drive that car until she can find another one God's provision. Now, I could have been stressing. Mm-hmm. We were stressing. But God had it in control. Even before the issue that we had to release the car, another car was on the way. He's always providing for us, guys. Always. God is Yahweh Jireh, the Lord who sees will provide. Yahweh means Lord, and Jireh means to see, look at, perceive. God has foreseen all our needs and has and will graciously provide all of them according to his will and purposes for those he loves and cherishes as his own. Godly compassion can and will change a broken heart and enable the believer to demonstrate extraordinary compassion to others. God's compassion brought salvation to us and showed his selflessness for his children. It was due to God's compassion for his chosen ones that he made a plan to send his one and only son to die for us so his righteousness would cover all our sins. Now God's wrath is turned away from us 
and he sees us holy and blameless through the precious blood of Jesus. Micah chapter 7 verses 18 and 19. Who is a God like you, pardoning iniquity and passing over the transgressions of the remnant of his heritage? He does not retain his anger forever because he delights in mercy. He will again have compassion on us and will subdue our iniquities. You will cast all our sins into the depths of the sea. How do we show compassion to others? Well, basically, compassion starts at home. Yeah? We cannot be hard-hearted at home, but show compassion everywhere else. We must be the same in all circumstances. So our testimony and love for Jesus glorifies him and can be fully experienced and accepted. So, again, church, don't take that word literally home. Would you say you're home here in church? Yeah? So shouldn't you show compassion in church? Yes. Right. So if you're showing it here in church, you're showing it at home in your physical home, you need to show it outside as well. As Mother Teresa once said, never worry about numbers, help one person at a time, and always start with the person nearest you. Jesus is our compassionate high priest, so we should model his lead in our lives. Hebrews 4.14 Seeing that what sin then that we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. We need to be compassionate in our prayers as God hears our requests. 1 John chapter 5, verse 14. Now this is the confidence that we have in him that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. Compassion is not an inward reaction, but rather an outward one. Compassion felt with no action is not really compassion, it's just a feeling. Compassion feels and then it acts. It goes beyond our emotions, and when we act, others are blessed through it. Compassion is not the same as affection. It goes deeper than that. His compassion attracts others to him. And when we reflect godly compassion, others will be attracted to us through his light in us. Quote from C.S. Lewis. Don't shine so others can see you. Shine so that through you, others can see him. We should have compassion for one another. 1 Peter 3 verse 8. Finally, all of you be of one mind, having compassion for one another. Love as brothers, be tender-hearted, be courteous. The Street Pastor Initiative is practical in what it provides, but it is the compassion shown by the pastors, or pasties as we've become known as, (laughs) that has had the greatest influence and impact on people, especially when they find out they do it just to help people. Can I just confirm that we're not called pasties because we overeat called pasties? But it's a nickname that the Harlow community has given us. No money is involved or wanted. There are God's practical helping hand, not only on the streets of Harlow, but across this nation and beyond. If you would like to know more about what street pastors do, or can spare a Friday night to pray from home or at St Paul's Church in town, Speak to Owen, the lovely man at the back there on the PA, or myself, and see where God leads you. It is worth the effort. Amen. The person there who's in the picture, that's Eddie. 
he was our coordinator, but sadly, sickness means he's had to step down. But there is a number of us that just go out and basically all you do is have a chat and walk around the town and see things that need help with. We're not asking you to preach the gospel, so we get questions asked. But we're just saying, if you've got time and you want to wear a blue uniform that looks like a police officer and wear a hat, you can be a practical help. Yeah? How did Jesus care for people? By helping them. Philippians 2, verses 3 and 4. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourself. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. To be compassionate, we must have a heart to serve. Someone once asked Mother Teresa, how did God call you to serve the poor? And she replied, I was not called to serve the poor, rather I was called to serve, and he led me here. In serving God, he will lead us to his needs for his compassion to act upon and to others also motivated by his love, grace and mercy. Can we show compassion without showing love? And should they be connected? Personally, I think yes. You can be compassionate without having any connection or relationship with the person in need. But love requires connection and relationship with depth and intimacy dependent on the relationship. Again, as a Christian, we should exhibit love with compassion and vice versa. Even if we have no connection with the person in need, we should show compassion in love as our Saviour did for us. So what challenges do we face living the compassionate life of Jesus? God's compassion always goes beyond our comfort zone and beyond our comprehension. God's compassion for us shows Shown in, I'm sorry, God's compassion for us is shown in his desire to reveal more of himself to us and through us. For he is seen powerfully for our acts of compassion to others by his grace and mercies. Following Jesus' example of showing compassion even to those who may not deserve it or who are not our cup of tea is not easy. But we are called to do so graciously and willingly. We must see everyone as God's creation, good or bad, innocent or guilty, and show them the appropriate compassion for the situation. Showing compassion takes great effort, if we do it in our own strength. If we allow Jesus' compassion to flood our hearts, the overflow of this can show great compassion for this fallen world and the lost people within it. I guess that challenge also is, is for us. I always remember how Matthew... Uh, the book of Matthew finishes, the Great Commission. It says, I'm going to leave you, but I want you to go out there. I want you to share this good news. Now, that's what I'm saying to you guys. It's not just about knowing the Bible. The thing is, I'm not saying to you guys that we don't want to prepare you for it. Yeah? You've got to get it right. The church is where we prepare disciples. Yeah? But at some point, like children, hopefully, they need to leave home. And you as disciples have to go out there and preach the good news. But preach it your way. Don't preach it my way. You can't preach it my way. I'm, I'm unique. <laughs> Believe me, my wife says you're unique. <laughs> yeah? You're unique. Preach it your way. Okay.
compassion may require perseverance in some situations. Some may not receive God's compassion at first, but when they allow his love, grace and mercy to touch their hearts, they receive and give thanks for God's compassion in their lives. I speak to everyone who has family here. Keep praying for your family. Don't give up on them. You have to keep praying for them. It's your compassion that could save them. You have a heart for them, don't you? Yeah. You want to see them saved. Yeah. You want to see them in the kingdom of God. Yes. Don't, as I said, compassion is powerful. If you're not using it, you're missing out. Because who knows, you may be up bringing up the next Rhino Bonkey, the next John Piper. You don't know. You may not be here to see it, but you've sown the seeds to make sure it happens. We can experience a lack of sympathy for the needs around us. Coldness and thoughtlessness are the opposites we might face regarding compassion. If we are not in touch with the situations around us, we may become uncompassionate to the distresses of others. These are all opposites of what God does with us and how he calls us to respond to others. Compassion requires acceptance. We must be able to accept the situation we face and the people we will encounter through these situations and put our faith in God that he will take us through them. Jesus could be found mixing with those unacceptable in the society of that time. Beggars, lepers, demon-possessed, tax collectors, etc. Now, you'll have your modern-day versions of that now. I guess it would be drug dealers, drug addicts. I still include the tax man in there, but... um, There will always be people that are not your cup of tea. There will always be people that, you know, in your heart you're thinking, I can't be dealing with this, but God's going to call you into that situation. Yeah. He's going to give you the strength to overcome that. You, it's not you. That's where we keep, that's where we make a mistake. We think it's us. No, it's God in us that will talk to the person and the person will see God. And then you've done your bit. Compassion does not judge others or their situation, but shows concern for the need. Colossians 3, verses 12-13. Put on them as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. Forgiveness is important for us to show compassion. This is practical application of compassion in and through the body. We must see and treat compassion as a great blessing from God. We should not see it as a burden or an inconvenience, for we were once the other side of the fence, enemies of God, before his compassion overwhelmed us with his good love, grace and mercy through faith in him. It was through Jesus' compassion for us he lived, died, and was resurrected as a man, so we would not suffer eternal separation from God. Jesus always seemed to put aside his hurts from others to ensure he completed what he was sent to do. When he ministered in his hometown, I'm sure he faced a lot of criticisms about his birth and the fact he came from a carpenter's family. So what right did he have to preach or teach them, let alone say he was the son of God? But he had to look past his spiteful comments and keep his focus on the work his father had sent him to do. 
The good Samaritan forgave and forgot the past, the previous ill feelings and the insults of the Jewish nation and helped someone who would have despised them. As the Bible says about receiving and showing forgiveness, we cannot experience God in compassion until we demonstrate it ourselves. These chapters are in Deuteronomy in the Bible. And chapters 17 to 25 laid out God's expectations for his people to show compassion in regard to upholding local laws, in regard to provision for God's servants, be it Levites and priests, in regard to warfare and conduct at war, and even nature. God was even showing welfare for his creation. God was very gracious in how he drafted the Israelites into warfare. There is no other draft like it. If any man had not really enjoyed or experienced life, God recommended they do so before coming to fight for him. So if you'd built a new house and not lived in it, worked a vineyard but not enjoyed the fruits of it, were afraid or lacked courage in God's strength, God would prefer you stay home rather than cause others to lose their courage. Um, I've never seen this before. I've read that, those verses over and over. God just opened my eyes to that just a minute. And I'm thinking, can you imagine that? Uh, someone calls you up to war and you say, I'm all right. I've just, just moved into this house. I'm not coming. Do you think there would have been anyone going to fight in World War I and World War II if that was the case? You didn't have a choice. If you met a certain criteria, you were going to war. But God, even in warfare, says... Well, if these guys don't, haven't got the heart for me to fight, then I don't want you to fight for them. Yeah? It goes to that level. Now, you may think that well, they're getting off easy on that, but I don't think so. I think God knows what he's doing. The people that went to war were going to war for their families. That's the whole point of going to war. They weren't going to war because they liked shooting people. They were going to war because they wanted to save their families. They wanted to make sure... <laughs> that tyranny didn't overcome. They were going for a reason, a purpose. That's why they went. And that's what God was trying to do with this. He wanted and needed the Israelites' hearts and minds to be focused solely on the task at hand and not what was going on back at home. But as we see with the majority of God's blessings, obedience and faithfulness are required to receive them. James 5.11 Behold, we, com- we consider those blessed who remain steadfast. You have heard of the steadfastness of Job, and you have seen the purposes of the Lord, how the Lord is compassionate and merciful. So why is it important for us to be motivated and live with compassion for others? Compassion can bring motivation and direction for the believer. As a shepherd directs his sheep out of danger and to good healthy pastures, Jesus and his church guides people out of the darkness of sin and death into the light and joy of his kingdom. Like Jesus as his children, we need compassion embedded within our character. We are called to serve Jesus, and in serving him, he leads us to opportunities for us to show his compassion and love to those who need it. Compassion opens our eyes to the needs of others. We will need to balance compassion with strength and authority. Compassion does not make us walkovers. We still need to address wrongdoing when it happens, but in love. 
I think sometimes it's, it's a learning curve. It was a learning curve for me as well. Don't try to convert people on the spot. It don't happen unless you're anointed as evangelist and the power of the Holy Spirit is with you on that occasion. Many times in the street past, I've had arguments, discussions on the street with people who were trying to win me over or just make me um, lose my faith. So some people, the argument is done. They have their mindset, you have yours. But just stay strong in your mindset. That's what I'm saying about not being a walkover. Be strong in what Jesus has taught you. You know your experience. You know what God has done for you. They can't take that away from you. They can spout all the wisdom and knowledge from worldly things. But God's wisdom will always be better. So, compassion can be shown when we love, when in love we reprimand a brother or sister who has lost their way into sin. It is because we love them and hate the sin that we bring a rebuke. What is most important to those who are rebuking is to restore our loved one and bring them back to a fuller and complete fellowship with our Lord's Saviour. Is that not what Jesus came to earth to do? To redeem the lost and bring them back to peaceful, loving, committed, unhindered fellowship with God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. When God sent Nathan the prophet to rebuke King David for his adultery with Bathsheba and the subsequent sins after that, God wanted to rescue David from sinking further into sin and redirect the life of the man God himself had once said had a heart for him. God's compassion will restore and free us if we allow him to work in us and through us. God's compassion will lead to confession as his cleansing spirit and presence through his compassion alerts us to what we must deal with in our lives to please him and follow him. In David's case, it led to his repentance and making good to those he had wronged. David felt lost through this as he did lose a son from his sinful actions. But God in his great love for David and in his now correct union with Bathsheba and marriage was blessed with a son, Solomon. And he and his father, David, will be part of God's son's lineage on this earth. And through God's great compassion for us, we are also included in God's lineage as his children, redeemed by the blood of Christ. God's compassion influences our thoughts, our standards and our values. We become a stronger church when despite our diverse backgrounds and experiences, we all feel a common passion for the kingdom of God and intentionally want to please and follow him. Jesus used every opportunity to show his Father's love for us. We also must try to emulate this where we have opportunity to do so. Sometimes we have to ask ourselves, are we loving those around us as Jesus would want us to love them? Compassion can set a tone and break down barriers. But it also brings people to work together to meet someone else's needs. We see this happen in responses to disasters or famines. We saw this in action during and after the Grenfell fire disaster. The local communities and the country's reaction to it showed how powerfully compassion can work within all of us. We gain relief through God's compassion. We also should strive to give relief to those who require it. Lamentations, chapter 3, from verse 22. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness.
We must allow God's compassion in us to overcome our fears, despair and hopelessness so we can help others overcome theirs. God's compassion is in us. We will encourage others to have faith or come to faith in Jesus. There will be times when our compassionate acts will speak more loudly and powerfully than our words could. Such as crying with a friend at the loss of a loved one. Even Jesus did this with Mary at Lazarus' death. His compassion for us shows he is always willing to help us and deliver us from our troubles as long as we trust and follow his ways. And God's compassion shows his concern for all the people, those lost and those saved. We as believers should always be mindful that we show compassion, especially in the company of non-believers. Something is probably wrong if they show more compassion than us. So in summary, godly compassion can motivate and direct the believer, open our eyes to the needs of others, influence others to show compassion, set a tone and break down barriers, bring people to work together to meet someone else's needs, provide compassionate acts more powerful than words, show us God is always willing to help us, and show God's concern for all the people, those lost and those saved. Let us not be like Jonah or the Pharisee, and allow our personal likes and dislikes to hinder the work of God's compassion in others' lives. So church, what is God, what is God challenging you to be more compassionate about for his glory? And what actions do you need to take to make this happen? So I pray, Lighthouse, that we strive to show God's, compa- God's compassion within our lives and may others be attracted to God's great light through us. May we continue to be a blessing to those in need according to his will and purposes, for the glory of his name and for his kingdom.